Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season seven, Prisoner Chats. I'm Magellan. <laughs> That's me. And he'll eventually go back to his room. It's the only place he can ever go. It's Alan. Whoa. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, they say things on The Prisoner that make me sad. <laughs> like, that line, I just inexplicably was like, oh, oh, come on. Let him go somewhere else. Let him go to Walmart and get crackers. Yeah, let him get free. Come on. Just let him out. Let him out for a day. He I want to see little... the number two who <laughs> is that character. And all the other sort of middle management uh, village people are like, no, 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 we can't. We'll get executed by whoever our spy boss is mm -hmm. if we let him out. But then number two's like, come on. Number six can have little freedom. That's a treat. Come on. Come on. That's actually, I think, the plot of the first episode, kind of. Yeah, in a way. We'll it's talk like, about what, it. what does that taste like? What does yeah. uh, this week taste like for you, Magellan? Um, it's hard to taste anything except for the carrots and hummus that I just had. I had roasted garlic hummus, Sabra, family size. It's on the desk right now, so I'm reading it. Okay. Um, it's best before... Uh, ooh, they also printed it in French. Oh. Is Sabra French? No, I don't think so. That's weird. Milieu avant. Okay, okay. June 8th, 2020. All right. Yeah, we got They're some US time based. to eat that. They're based in New York, in White Plains, New York. That's weird. I don't know why they also printed best before in French. Maybe that's a my grocery store thing, but they yeah. don't do that on any other products. Mm. Weird. Anyway, it tastes like carrots and hummus. What about you? Oh, <laughs> oh how does this week taste for me? Uh, yeah. I have a constant stomachache every morning and evening, and I don't know what it is other than I I sleep what's called Winnie the Pooh style, I learned recently, which okay. means that I sleep with a shirt <laughs> and no pants. You a honey on your stomach. <laughs> yeah, I just drizzle honey, and then I drop the thing, and I lose all the honey every day, and I have to struggle You wake with up the... with your paws just sticky. <laughs> That's that's actually actually very accurate. <laughs> no, I was watching Jesus and Mara recently, and then they were talking about like how they sleep. And Mara was like, "Yeah, you know, I sleep Winnie the Pooh style." And I was like, "Oh my god, there's a word for it." <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? That means you sleep with a shirt and no pants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> so so email us in chatspot@gmail.com. How do you sleep? Do you sleep Winnie the Pooh style? Do you sleep uh, what's pants only style called? Uh, martial uh, law from the video game Tekken, some martial law style. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or Bruce Lee style if you want to be less um, appropriative. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I think that's been causing my tummy aches. It's like it's colder now. It's been consistently cold. It often feels like the weather is just like it's very apocalyptic lately because um, we'll go outside and it'll be like beautiful during the day. And then as soon as it's like a little bit later in the evening, it's like, and now it's time for hail snowing sideways and heavy rain for a whole week straight and just, you know, all of the above. Like, I think the person who decides the weather, uh, which I think is the president, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, like hit control A and was just like, uh, sure, we'll try all the weathers at the same time. Yeah, his finger slipped right past the button that said Serengeti. And he's like, actually, how about... Maybe not today. Maybe everything yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Serengeti. Um, cool. Well, <laughs> here we are. It's, chat it's the Chats Kids, and we're talking about The Prisoner. Um, Magellan... This week on Prisoner Chats, we watched two more episodes of the cult classic TV show, The Prisoner. Mm -hmm. Specifically, we watched episode seven, Many Happy Returns, and episode eight, Dance of the Dead. First up is Many Happy Returns. 
which was written by Anthony Skeen. It was directed by Patrick McGowan, uh, but he goes at, uh, he uses the pen name Joseph Surf in the credits. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, my God. That's the coolest pen name ever. Joseph Surf. Yeah. Uh, and it aired November 10th, 1967. Now, Magellan, can you tell me what happened in Many Happy Returns? In this episode, number six wakes up to find the village totally deserted. Oops. Yeah. Oh, Joseph Surf. It's less funny to me. He's spelling it S-E-R-F. S-E-R. Yeah, I know. It's not S-U-R-F. The, but what if it was, that's why right? I because that's the perfect, uh, that's the perfect sort of uh, business casual name right. that I'm looking for. Uh, Alan, what do you think of Many Happy Returns? I think Joseph Joey Surf really uh, nailed, because if he's Patty McGee, then he can also be Joey Surf's. Uh, this is like a brilliant episode um, because they keep finding new and exciting ways to play with this premise. And I've said this, we say this every week as if it's new, but once again, you, you don't even consider like, what, what do you do with an entire episode that doesn't feature the villagers? What is the village with no people? What is escape without, uh, resistance? Like, what does that look like? What, if, if number six woke up one day and double checked everything and made sure that nobody was around, he would obviously try to escape. How would that go? What would happen? And we take that so far to the point where we're on a we're on, we're in London, England, presumably, mm-hmm. as we understand the the reality of this episode, and we still don't feel a sense of like freedom and release because the of the nature of how the show messes with your head. And I loved that about it. I thought it was very clever and very bold of this show to go almost like fifteen minutes with no dialogue. And just him, like, building, realizing what's going on and discovering and getting on another boat. Uh, so I really like this one, yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, I um, I appreciate this episode for a number of reasons. I think it wasn't my favorite just because of the things that I love about The Prisoner have to do with its dialogue and its sense of humor. And this episode felt... Uh, I mean, because it spends so much time silent and, like, sneaky around, I wasn't as into that. Um, But by the time we got to him in his old house eating a plate of sandwiches with this nice old lady (laughs) uh, who turns out to be the bad guy, uh, I was was pretty into it. So overall, I think it's good. And I think we can start by reflecting on this episode... Um, being a turning point of sorts, this is something that, so for both of these episodes, I read the AV club reviews of them. I think Mm -hmm. you did the same, at least for the second one. Yeah. For this, I haven't looked at the first one yet. Um, and I also was looking around and I found this like fan website about the prisoner, um, that you can find at (laughs) prisoner.gigacorp.net. And it looks like it's just three brothers who made a fan site for the prisoner in like 1995. Whoa. (laughs) And then they've like been updating it here and there. Um, But both of those sources talk about this episode as uh, one that belongs like dead center in the viewing order of the episodes of the prisoner. Yeah. Um, that that brother fan site they have like their own watch order that places it as uh, the ninth episode. The AV Club person followed some order that put it as the sixth, um, to which they were saying it was way it's way too early mm-hmm. for that. Um, we have it here as the seventh, and the the turning point idea, at least as I understand it, is like. For all the beginning episodes of The Prisoner up to this point, you hold on to the idea that, like, escape is possible. 
and there is a world outside and an old life that um, number six can return to. And then this episode pretty definitively says, actually, that's not possible. Yeah. Escape as you understand it, like getting on a boat for a month. They say in the episode that he was at sea for 25 days, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah. Big time. Um, being on a boat for a month and getting back and seeing all the people you know and being at your old house and having every indicator that you have gotten free, none of that stuff has any sort of bearing on whether or not you're actually free. And so that takes this show to the point of, okay, escape or individuality has to look different than like outsmarting the powers that be on the island in order to get out and it has to become something different. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like, I, I do agree that this one has to fit somewhere in the middle of a viewing order because it, it twists the the premise a lot and you're like, okay, well it's not, it's no longer, like you said, it's no longer about getting out. It's about discovering what, what your freedom looks like. Cause like you can get out. This is not a faint. Are we to understand that he did actually get off the Island? For, for every indication seems to be yes, that so, he literally did get off the island. And then what this episode is saying is that like escape and freedom are two different things. Yeah, right. And uh, and the fact that he's the one who chooses to go back um, actually reminded me, and I know I beat this drum a lot because it's so like, it really feels like Lost didn't write any original ideas <laughs> when I watch this uh-huh. show uh-huh. because there's an entire season of Lost that's about a couple of the survivors. Uh, and I definitely think we're past the like point of discussing Lost spoilers, but there's a season where uh, several of the survivors get off the island mm-hmm. and realize that they don't belong off the island. And they're like, actually, this isn't what I wanted because life uh, moved on without me. And I feel really like it's sort of like how in the movie Castaway, which again, similar like ideas, uh, him getting off the island is the saddest he is in that film. Um, mm. so. It kind of reminded me what I was thinking of was um, when back when we watched Farscape years and years ago and. Uh, we had a human reaction, which is yeah. kind of like the turning point of season one of Farscape. Mm-hmm. And if people don't know Farscape, it's about this Earth astronaut uh, named John Crichton who was shot through a wormhole. Uh, and he's in outer space with a bunch of cool aliens. And he keeps looking for a way to get home to Earth. And then there's this episode of Human Reaction where ostensibly he gets home to Earth. And what he comes to realize in this episode is that the life that he has begun to live and the, the like persona or the self that he's constructed out in space um, has attachments or has qualities to it that he can't go home. It, it's just not possible to return to life as he knew it um, without losing out on or erasing actually a lot of the development and a lot of the sort of self-realization that he has done when he's in space. And I think there's something to be said here in The Prisoner that what number six is realizing is like, first of all, it's just impossible to get back because the they have control over like his comings and goings. Um, but also when you go back, is going back really any kind of freedom because now you're in the same confines as before. There's a sort of like cage-like quality or imprisoned quality to his life as it was. 
Um, his room is identical to the room that he used to live in. And we could say that that is like the village trying to trick him. Or you could also argue that there's a symbolic quality to that, right? That like mm -hmm. he sort of lived within certain confines in his life. And then he's interacting with all these and inextricably tied to the people that he resigned from as soon as he gets back. Uh, like that's the first thing that, or one of the first things that happens to him is that he's interacting with these dudes that he clearly has resentment for and clearly doesn't want to deal with, but feels an obligation to. Um, and so, you know, you could read the ending of this in, in a number of different ways. And, but I think something that could be taken from it is maybe six will start to realize that like, actually, despite the efforts of the island or the village to break him and to sort of rob him of his individuality, it's actually made him a more individual person than even he was in his previous life. Hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think all of that stuff is, is, is what makes this episode so memorable is that it it's grounded in a way that, you can relate to, but it's also, it feels so out there for what a, tra what you, what we've thought was traditional for a while, uh, on the prisoner. And like, what is the show about? What does it mean? Yeah. Uh, the production history of this episode is really interesting. And I think it's worth briefly digging into before we even start to tackle the plot. Uh, mainly one of the things is that this is, uh, the major reason this episode is, is why, uh, George Markstein, who co-wrote a lot of the prisoners early run with, uh, Patrick McGowan, um, it's why he left because he disagreed on the way that the sh the series should have gone. Um, again, this is one of those things that I can't, I don't feel ready to like Google a lot about it right now. But the main conflict seems to be, from what I understand, that Mark Steen, uh, who is actually fun fact, the bald guy that six throws uh, his papers down, his resignation papers down on in the opening sequence. He's the guy that's oh, like really? in the office. Yes, that's huh. him. Uh, he seemed like he wanted the show to be more traditional and like just keep six on the island and not like stray too far from its basic premise. Mm -hmm. And so McGowan being like, what if we actually like took him off the island and saw what that looked like? It was the last straw for him to be like, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. And they had like worked together on a lot of things. Really? Interesting. Mm -hmm. So and there's more to it. Made like late in the production order? Or? Uh, it's not exactly, I'm not exactly sure where it is. It seems like, um, it's later than, you know, episode whatever we're at right now. Episode is this I think this would be 7 for us. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I think it's late it was produced later but not much later. Mm -hmm. And as I understand it the first 13 ep produced episodes of The Prisoner were like the Markstein ones and then this was probably I think like around 13 where he was like, "Ah, oh, I'm going to like not put my name on this anymore." Even though he stays in the opening credits interestingly enough. They don't mm -hmm. take that scene out. That's um Another cool thing about the production is that, um, and I noticed this, but it, so the intro to the prisoner is generally the same every single time, except for the voice of number two is supposed to be like who the new number two is. And then we sometimes will get a brief shot of them if, you know, their identity isn't a plot twist. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, they used a generic male's voice and didn't show number two because you're not supposed to know that Mrs. Butterworth is number two until the end. Um, which I thought was fun because then in the second one, I heard a woman's voice and I was like, wait, are these mixed somehow? And it's like, no, she's, that's also a lady number two. We got double number two ladies this time. Um, we lucked out in that way. Yeah. The title of the episode, many happy returns. I knew I had heard that term before and not just because I know about, the, I've heard about this episode before as like the episode of the prisoner that's quiet for 20 minutes, mm -hmm. but um, it's a, it's a greeting 
uh, usually used in other cultures uh, to like respond to something like a Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. Like you, someone else would say Merry Christmas and you would say, oh, many happy returns sort of like and back at you, hopefully many more for you, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting just because it's it's a response. It's it's like a and it's difficult when someone says like Merry Christmas to you, you're like, ah, oh, Merry Christmas. Like you just you just repeat it. That's how in, in America, that's how we understand that term to be. Mm-hmm. But to call it many happy returns kind of suggests like, uh, you know, this is a repeating of, of the thing that you've already done before. Like, and now you're going back to it because that's that's the line that number two, like says before number six leaves for good. Mm-hmm. Is she doesn't say like Merry Christmas or anything. She says many happy returns, which is like, and now you're going you're going back now. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're, you're always going to come back. Exactly. The, the other thing about the phrase many happy returns. So it has it has this. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go from the like literary uh, abstract meaning to a literal meaning of how it's used in Great Britain that I didn't know, um, which is that people say many happy returns not just as a response to like Merry Christmas, but also in some context as a greeting when it's someone's birthday. And oh, fun! So what what i didn't understand until i read the av club review is that it's number six's birthday oh and they clever. let they number two let him escape as a birthday present <laughs> as a treat oh <laughs> yeah isn't that hilarious she you were exactly right she did let him have a little freedom as a treat wow yeah isn't that what? wild Everything about this episode is wild, man. Can we can, let's 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 chomp, dude? Let's chomp. Yeah, let's chomp. So, uh, the the I, I was writing stuff in here about how I think the intro is delicious, and then I was wondering why uh, he used a pen name. I don't have any info about that. There's no like stuff in there. Maybe it has to do with the whole like other guy leaving the show. Maybe he was going to write part of it and then he changed his mind. Don't know. But the point is that number six has a new friend, and that's Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, he has a black cat who hangs out with him now. And uh, he has nobody else currently. He's on the island. He's in the village. He wake, He comes out of his house for the morning and nobody's around. It's eerily quiet. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, Magellan, when I watched this episode, I immediately followed it, up with, followed it up with a walk today. And for the first like 20 minutes of my walk, I didn't see anyone. And it made me feel I was number six. Basically, I'm number six. Hello. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just... We we haven't like talked about it that much, but it's hard to not think about quarantine anxiety, um, anxiety when watching the show, and for an episode that's entirely about like wondering where everybody else went and trying to explore the outside world and just like not getting anything back, mm-hmm. like no responses back, and the fear around that and why you want to like get away from that is very relatable right now. Yep. Uh, anytime any of us try to like get out during quarantine, especially like during a weekday, like today, I, I eventually found some walkers, but yeah, number six doesn't find anybody. He even gets to go up to the big bell. And I love to think that he was like, oh, yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> now I get to ring the, the big bell. one thing I've always wanted to do. I mean, if you lived on the village and you could finally run around and do whatever you want with no consequence, wouldn't you ring the big bell? Yeah, I would. I honestly exactly. would. I would sit in number two's chair and give it a spin. I'm surprised he didn't play around in there a little bit i would see i would like spawn a bunch of rovers and watch them fight each other it tells you a lot about number six um that he just immediately 10 minutes into there being nobody on the island he's chopping a tree down right he's like all right i i I, i'm I'm getting out of here right because if it were me 
first of all, I would have no idea. If you told me right now, like, okay, you have an entire island to fashion yourself a boat, I would not know where to start at at all and i would just be like okay i'm stuck here i guess that's the thing that always makes me nervous watching like island escape or like like castaway movies is like done for i like what do you i can i can maybe come up with like basic survival stuff but how long before i'm like i like chicken nuggets (laughs) or like i don't know how to make a boat or an axe i'm not the kid in gary paulson's hatchet i don't know how to like use my tools to fight animals and escape the wilderness yeah i can't get to my my box of fettuccine without getting on seamless and ordering something instead. So yeah, I remember We're very normal millennials, the start of um, the school year this year, we did like a, one of those team building icebreaker activities that was like, okay, here's a list of 30 items or something that you're stranded on a deserted Island with and yeah, 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 give yeah. the coast guard ranking of which things are the most useful. And I was like, I, I have no idea. I guess the cho- you'd want the chocolate. <laughs> I guess that's the one that I would want. Um, but yeah, Six has, has this steely determination to just get the heck off the island, and he knows exactly how to do it. He, he doesn't futz around or play around, really. He looks around just long enough to sort of figure out if the coast is clear. Mm-hmm. And then he's fashioning a boat, you notice this part, he goes into the shop and takes everything, but he writes like an IOU in chalk on the counter. And signs it, or like writes like sign six or whatever. And I'm like, what a, what a nice guy. What a, and that's like, that shows where his head is at, right? That even, at, even in like in this weird stranded scenario on an island with whom he know on whom he knows nobody, he's still like, yeah, but you write a note. Right. Well, you know, you could read it as either him being like, committed to always doing the right thing and he has this sort of inflappable moral code that exists even when he's alone um and he lives by something that my mom says a lot which is like you're the person you are when you're alone or something like that yeah Mm -hmm. um or you could read it as him being like let me just get in one one more goof one one final fuck you middle finger gag at the expense of the island, like, oh, sorry, I robbed your shop. I owe you. Bye. Love six. <laughs> I think you could read it either way. I prefer to read it as as a sort of wry, uh, wry joke thing of him being like, yeah, imagine if this was a real shop. Wouldn't that be funny? And then I'd owe you money, right? <laughs> Money's fake. I mean, he talks later in the episode when he's describing to Central Intelligence, like, what's the deal with the with the village? He's like, and they have credit. <laughs> a money system it's all fake dude yeah like he, he's already incredulous by that stuff so yeah i guess there is there's some credibility to your read as well and especially because this is a show about a guy who is the incarnation of rebellion and of uh, not following the rules that makes that kind of like lines up a bit more with him but i just like to think that he was being polite yeah it's it's i think you could read it as both ways and i think there's truth mm-hmm. to both because he's not an anarchist right like that's an yeah. important thing about six he doesn't believe that all order needs to be toppled but he believes in in individual thought and rebellion and those kinds yeah. of things and he, and he and he takes care of him so he's independent for this episode because yeah again it's i don't i didn't time it but it's about 20 minutes before um he's where he's interacting with other people or anybody is speaking and even then the first di- lines of dialogue we hear are i believe russian they're not mm-hmm. even we don't even hear english until we arrive in london 
uh, and people are talking, and then he meets Mrs. Butterworth. But before that, this is a guy who realizes the island is empty and explores it, gets, I, gets a bunch of stuff together, cuts down a tree, makes a boat, and escapes the island like that. And it's incredible because I actually remembered that something I commented on in the first episode was that the or even in like the pilot chats I mentioned this was like the only way that number six can truly escape this island from like a literal like how to get off without getting caught way is to make something that gets him off because everything that exists as it is on the island has been you know in theory placed there or designed to be used and to yeah or somebody has like a remote control that can turn it around and land it where they want it to land Correct. So, like, if he makes a boat, then it's like, well, this is entirely, like, by my hand. There's nothing. There's no influence on this. Uh, And the show commits to that idea because that works. Um, I zoned out for one moment. So, I was curious, like, what happened that he went from being on his own boat, like, shaving? He has a compass. (laughs) Yeah. I missed that, too. I wasn't quite sure about Uh, why. But presumably, he just runs into another boat and, like, sneaks onto that boat. And it has a bunch of Russian men on it. Again, I believe it's Russian. And uh, they're like cooking. And there's a moment where I like the near notes. You were like, oh, is he chefing it up? Oh, no, no. He's making a bomb. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's setting a big fire. It's just arson, actually. Yeah, it's not, not cooking, yeah. but actually arson, which is a thin, very thin line. Yeah, right? he's doing his sort of YouTube at home cooking tutorial. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you want to add just a splash of oil and then uh, dump more oil and yep. then get a and rag, then... spread a rag around in there, get it all oiled up. Yeah um yeah and then that's how you make <laughs> that's how you make a bomb right. um so he kind of makes like a like a passive molotov cocktail and just lets it like burn in the kitchen uh and then as the men find out they chase him and he, we get a really like extended fight scene um where he's just like punching all the guys and doing his usual like action hero stuff mm-hmm. and i've said it before but i just don't i'm not like enamored i, I think this show's got good fight scenes in the tournament like in terms of how they're filmed and why they happen and like the framing of them and all that stuff is good. I just don't need to watch number six, punch a bunch of men on a boat. Like he's uh, Jason Bourne or something. Yeah. It just looks, it looks dorky, you know, because you can tell they're like totally missing each other and the cuts are a little weird and like, it's fine. It, it communicates the tension of, whoa, they're fighting and he's better than them, but then they get to jump on him and stuff. But the action is, definitely not what i'm here to see in this show it makes me wonder i was reading a little bit about um patrick mcgoon's show that he was on prior to the prisoner danger man yeah danger man. and wondering like how actiony danger man was mm-hmm. um and just thinking about like whether or not he sort of pitched the prisoner as having a an actiony vibe because from what i read it seemed like he pitched the prisoners like yeah we're gonna do another spy thing and then it's it's not <laughs> it's not so much a spy it's got like the blood the dna of a spy show 100% but it's not a show about a spy doing cool spy things yeah right it's this it's like what if james bond had no tools and he was just a dude yeah and he like hated <clears throat> it's like what if a guy who was uh you know bred in a laboratory to be the star of a spy show was like I don't want to do a spy show. That's what the right. that's what the prisoner is. He did a successful spy show, and he's like I don't want to be um, known for this and be successful as a spy. I want to say fuck you to that. Instead, I want to deconstruct the idea of freedom <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah. and socio political ways that we we like enforce our freedom on others and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. 
I, I love it. <laughs> Me too. I, I adore it. I, I'm really fond of this show. I'm glad we're watching it. Yeah, it's 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 great to like be able to check this one off a box too and really like dig into what it is. Yeah. Beyond the surface level of like understanding its aesthetic and understanding that things have copied it. Now it's like, no, but the prisoner what it really is is a sharp like uh literary commentary with a lot of humor and British wit uh at the core of it. Yeah, it's a useful sort of I don't know like how pervasively it's been copied and if people are copying copies and and what but it is it does have a kind of rosetta stone quality to it mm-hmm. of like now that we've seen this show i mean you know you watched lost years and years ago and i'm sure you're yeah. having revelations about lost every this, week and dude. i'm having revelations about babylon 5 and mm-hmm. and the good place to an extent and so it it's useful in that regard um but yeah the action stuff is like that's not why we're here no, and what we're here for is, uh, you know, six. <laughs> when you try to explain what the prisoner is to people and you're like, yeah, there's an episode where he doesn't talk for 20 minutes as he escapes the island because he discovers that nobody's there and he punches a bunch of Russian men on a boat and then he wakes up on another coastline that's like really gorgeous. And there's a bunch of and the show calls them this. I'm not sure if this is no longer the proper term, but gypsies mm-hmm. um, on the island um, who are just having a good time. Like they're just vibing, dude. Right, right. Um they're wearing their vests and stuff and cooking and dancing. And one of them's got a dog, which is, I love the dog. Yeah. I wrote, imagine a nice day at the beach with your dog and cane and some gorgeous besweatered man dripping wet and walking in a way that can only be described as loping started harassing yeah. you and ruining your Italian hobo picnic is how I wrote it. Right. And then I wrote, are we not saying hobo anymore? Cause I don't think we are. I don't know. And yeah. I, I don't think we're saying gypsy either. So they're just their vibe. They're vibe people. They're just they're just foreign foreign folks hanging out, and he's on their island, and he tries asking the woman where the road is, and she's like, ah, yes, and like says her terms, and then points away, and he's like, all right, this is no, this is not helpful. I wonder what the value in a scene like this is, other than to further enforce that six is no longer, like I mean, these don't these people don't seem to be working for the village. He's like finally actually tasting escape. Yeah, that that wasn't clear because on the boat that he got on. I don't know if you noticed, but they had like canned beans and one of the cans said village food on it and had the Oh, had on the, the bicycle. boat with the, with the men? Mm-hmm. Oh. So I that I think is a hint of like, okay, these guys are part of the scheme. So maybe these people are too, but they don't, they don't like turn him the wrong way or anything. No, the lady hands him a cup of something warm and then he goes off on his own. And it's just, but what's super weird is he doesn't leave. This island is, is just right off of London. Like he's mm. on your, he's in Europe now. Right. Um, cause he walks and then we just get a cut and we don't know how long he's been walking, but he finds himself on a road and there's like police people looking, doing some sort of investigation. And you're like, yeah, those gypsies or whatever, were just like on, they're just like in the side streets, <laughs> you know, they just mm-hmm. live here. Yeah. It's hard to know how it, from when they were in the map scene later, they pointed out, it looked like he had landed in the Southern part of England. Right. And he, he moved, uh, Northward presumably. Yeah, right. Um, so he is noticing the police that are looking for someone and they, he later finds out it's an escaped con- convict. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets he sneaks into one of their trucks, which says Netco on the back of it, which I only noted because I was wondering if that is something. Sounds like the, the dog the, the catchers. Prison is in the a kind of show where you really or something. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
the there is different types of things called Netco. There's a network infrastructure company, a Canadian art collective, and a telecommunications company in Somalia. Mm. Great. So it's probably none of those. But uh, yeah, he climbs into the back and he gets all comfy. He like gets a nice blanket and he's like, I'm just going to go sleepy now until, I don't know, I, I can tell where we are. Mm-hmm. This is the presumption here. Uh, and he hears sirens outside and he gets out and, oh, wait a minute. It really threw me for a loop seeing six in like a developed metropolitan city. Yeah, that was with like cars and traffic. I was like, this is broken. And he's got like, and it doesn't help that he looks out of sorts now because he's got this crusty, dusty ass sweater and his hair is all long and he's got like a little bit of stubble. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, the dude looks, looks haggard. And uh, you pointed out that you really liked that he is startled by a man taking a picture of a woman who says, hold it. Um, He's telling the woman to pose, but he's like, well, uh, he's got like this knee jerk response to Mm -hmm. people saying, like telling him using terms like hold it to that being like him being a prisoner. Yep. Not relating to it. I mean, yep. I like that. Um, and then he finds his old home. He goes for a little walk and just through, I guess like this is one of those other things that makes, that reminds you that he's a guy from the sixties is he can find his home without any map or anything. He's just like, (laughs) I know where in the city I am and I know I can figure out how to get home without any help. Yeah. Uh, walks up to his own home and finds, oh, well, the maid answers first and she's weirded out because he's just like, who lives here? She's like, that's not a thing you can ask people. You're weird. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he's not used to asking like normal questions because he's grown so accustomed on in the village to just being like, who are you? Who do you work for? What side are you on? Where am I? Right, right, right. Like during the election episode where they're like, hey, all right, so you, time for you to ask questions. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I was thrilled because a woman pulls up to the house and he sees the prisoner car from his, his car from the theme song. And it's established that he built the car himself from scratch. So good. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. I mean, That's why he knows how to build a boat. Boats and cars are the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she talks, he says, I know all the things. I know every nut and bolt and cog. I built it with my own hands. And she's like, cool. I love that this woman who we later learned is Mrs. Butter, Mrs. Butterworth. Mm-hmm. aka secretly number two is so nonchalant and like kind of flirtatious with him which should key us in that something is weird but as usual the prisoner knows how to pull the wool over the viewer's eyes and you're just like this is kind of all weird i don't think she's the weird one but i don't know who is right whenever a woman is nice to him and it's i have my my what is that my antenna go up i don't know because yeah. that seems to be his weakness is uh friendly women friendly women yeah same how he lets his guard down um he said we'll talk about the second episode but he says in the second episode never trust a woman uh he's talking about a cat he says even the four-legged variety and it's like six what are you talking about you trust women all the time that's all yeah as soon as a a lady's remotely nice to you you're like hey i'm a prisoner on this island like don't say your backstory to everyone yeah right um it also helps that she brings out a plate of delicious cute little sandwiches I really wanted finger sandwiches. Yeah. I like talk about making food look good. I like that we got like a was that a mini fade to black or just a cut or something from like the full sandwich tray to the empty <laughs> sandwich tray. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. Yeah. Instead of being like nom, 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 he just eats one, two, and then we blink and then it's gone. He's There's like, no more oh, food sandwiches. I, I ate ate all of them. <laughs> wow. She's like, yeah, I, I know. I'm really good at cooking. It's the one thing I'm really good at. Um, you fool. And he he tries to go through the motions of 
figuring out like, okay, is this the real place? He asks for, uh, you know, the lease. Uh, but then he just sort of takes, this is a point from the AV club review. He just sort of takes her story at face value where she's like, yeah, somebody like sold the house to me. I don't know. They just found it and they found the car and he's like, okay, well checks out, I guess. That's not weird. I guess I don't have any questions. (laughs) Yeah. So he, um, he's very willing to believe that this is, that this is real. And ostensibly it is his apartment. Right. This woman is actually living in his apartment with her maid, Martha. Um, and she does in, she does want to help him. Uh, and so she lets him away. She lets him take the car basically and say like, Hey, you can go, you know, I have no problem with it. It's your car. And it's my, I'm going to be in the house though, because I bought the lease for 10 years. So, Mm. you know, go do what you need to do, which I'm like, this is so weird that like six has unlocked the open world. (laughs) You can just leave. Like, where are Mm -hmm. we going to go? Um, and his first instinct is to go back to his old job, which he resigned from. And we see him re like basically recreate the intro. He like drives on the same street, goes to goes through the tunnel, and then like goes to work, and like sees the guy and the guy, and then walks through and meets his boss, mm-hmm. uh, the colonel. Um, I think he gets a name at some point, but I just wrote his name as the colonel. Um, and he has he's this is the great thing about number six is he like kind of knew most of this was gonna happen. He he went through the trouble of bringing a copy of the Tallyho newspaper to prove that the village exists, like because he knew that people are gonna be like that seems fake. Everything you're saying is a lie. You must have defected. And he's like, no, they they have a newspaper, they have a system of government, they like did an election, uh, they're real. They like, and I have photos even. Um, and so he tries to explain to them all this stuff, and they seem very hesitant. There's a lot of great like charged, uh, I'd say like apprehension from the colonel at him, mm-hmm. where it's not clear like what he believes and what he knows, but he just thinks that number six is like. He's like, if this guy defected to the other side, then this is exactly how he would lie to me. So I need to be apprehensive. Um, And they share a bunch of glances, him and the two of them and this other dude. And eventually he's like, all right, well, let's try and pinpoint where you, where is the island? Where's the village? This is probably my favorite scene of the episode. Um, Yeah, when they're drawing on the map. Right. Because, okay, so Aaron Sorkin (laughs) has this thing, right, where he loves analog technology. And he loves, like, checking out, look at these films, look how cameras work, look how people, like, have to use the papers when they're making the news and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. None of that matters because what, this, what <laughs> the prisoner does is, like, you know what's cool is a sextant. And a, hmm. uh, what's the thing that draws angles? The protractor. Like, we need to use a protractor uh-huh, com- on this compass map. Compass or whatever it is. Yeah. We got to use a protractor and a compass and all of this stuff. And even then, we're only going to get the vaguest, like, 100-mile guess of where you were. Uh, and so they're drawing all over this map and they determine that he was somewhere to the west of Morocco and to the south of Portugal and Spain. So he's, he was, it's an island just somewhere in that, in Western Europe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And his plan is to take, uh, jets out there, I guess. he's going to be with the assistance of a pilot, um, basically do flyovers and try and find out where exactly the island was. So that Why? that was a little taste of like um if the prisoner was a spy show and it they did like procedural spy stuff and I yeah. I was into it it was pretty fun mm-hmm. the whole like drawn on the map thing and then 
I don't know. Here's a question for you. Okay. Do you think everybody was in on it? <laughs> because what ends up happening is the is number six gets in a plane with a dude and they fly around the circle of where the island could be. And, uh, you know, his friend is like, yeah, I was friends with that guy. He's sort of annoying, but so but I love the, him. The theory that I, I found from on the internet um, is, because one of the things I noticed about the scene where they go to the airfield yeah. is that the camera lingers on a shot of a milkman uh, riding a milk truck that says, Pinta Man is strong. And then it says, better milk. Hmm. And I was like, that's really weird. And I didn't get a close look at the man, um, but it, the implication was that maybe he knocked out the, like, the RAF pilot and took over and the milkman worked for the village. Okay. So maybe nobody else knew, but like in the interim of him, cause they keep focusing on the milkman. It's like weird. Hmm. So you, you think all the British it? people are like legit? Well, but the thing is if the British people are legit, then shouldn't they start looking for six now? Shouldn't they be like, oh, wait, he came back and then he left again. What's going on with him? Right. Because then that would implicate that now there's like a tension of like when are they going to come back and find him, but yeah, but and they they they, they won't know where he was because they weren't piloting it presumably right. And they speak to in the in the interaction in the map room the question that I had last episode about the intro where one of Six's questions to number two in the intro is what what side are you on? Because mm-hmm. he talks with one of the one of his buds. Yeah. About he doesn't know what side the island is on or the village is on. Yeah. Um, and they sort of have the same like, oh, yeah, we don't know either. But he's kind of pointedly saying like, I don't know if you put me there or if I was there because of like the Russians or what. Um, so I think it's possible still that the village is like a British operation. And then yeah, they're all cause... in on it. Well, so when he, I just rewatched some of the shot, the, the scene just now, just to double check some stuff. But uh, the men say like, uh, wow, that guy, he's such a rebel. Like he never follows the rules. So like, it's weird that he wants to go back, but like, all right, whatever. Like, we're not going to try to contain him. And so he goes on the plane and, you know, they do the flyover and he sees for a while. He's like, I don't know what the village looks like. My thought at this moment, by the way, was like, how does he remember what the village looks like from above? Because he yeah. can, like, find landmarks. And the way he finds it is he realizes, like, literally the village is on the island. You can see the village. But if, like, you told me, like, to find the state that I live in uh, as a flyover, I would be like, I have no idea, like, what my state looks hmm. like. Well, I think they're not they're not flying at, at the altitude of, like, a commercial um, That's true. airplane travel low. today. They're flying lower than that. Um, but, yeah, I am confirming now that... Uh, as soon as he identifies, like, that's the place, let us stand, let's go down and see. Instead, the pilot pulls the eject button, turns around and says, be seeing you. And we can confirm that, yes, that pilot is the milkman. So the milkman took okay. over for the pilot. Okay. But then the question is, like, yeah, who's in on it? Who is ever in on it? Do we know? Should we ask this question? Is it worth asking even? Yeah, because it seems know. dangerous for the island, for the village people, I keep saying the village people. Why? Um, <laughs> it seems dangerous for them to let six get so far as to tell the higher ups of of um, British intelligence that there's this spy capturing island somewhere. Like, right, if they're is... just sort of letting him out to fuck with his head, 
they wouldn't want it to get all the way to those guys because then those guys would be like, oh, he's gone again. Let's find him. So I don't know. Like, I think obviously the obviously the milkman's in on it and the, maybe the pilot was just some dude who had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Maybe he just like was replaced and the guy was like, oh, whoopsie, like, you know, yeah, missed his flight. But I, I think because they let it get that far to me, that indicates that like it's the British who are running this island. Oh, it's possible. Hearing that, you know, part of the reason the other guy went off the show was because he, McGowan sounded like he wanted the show to get really weird. Makes me think the show is going to get weirder and maybe lean into a little bit more of the stuff way down the line. Yeah. And that's exciting to me because on one hand, the show, this episode excites me and makes me go, oh man, like the rules are different now. Right. Like the rules have to be different now. But then you remember that the order of the show might not be exactly how they wanted it to be to like, this isn't necessarily chronological and like what would be the result of all of this stuff happening because six just ends up back on the island and at first it's like okay nobody's still here but his shower turns on by itself and his like you know sink turns on and he looks mm-hmm. outside and everyone is just processing they're just all going for a walk together and the black cat is still here and he turns back and mrs butterworth is in his home she hands him a cake and says many happy returns because mm-hmm. it's his birthday right 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 it it uh you could use this episode i guess to argue towards what i was arguing last time like you were saying the rules are changing and maybe mm-hmm. it's further evidence that the village is like a metaphysical construct or place as opposed to a literal spot in the world um and i think that would make it would give more credence to like why they would let him go that far out because it's mm-hmm. like this isn't a real this isn't real but then that complicates like okay then who are they and like what do they want from him why do they want him to tell them why he resigned and i just keep coming back to this like why did you resign question and it can't yeah. like his answer can't be that complicated you know <laughs> so right? like what what is this place is it a person of his own design? Because if it's a game, then what was the what's the point of the game? Like, what are we trying to break him of? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's just about making him give up. Um, because I guess what it could be is it's if it's an operation by the British government, then it's just that okay, you can't be free from being a spy because you know too much. So you just have to be on this island forever and the why did you resign thing is a sort of maybe they need it for their records but it's also just a symbolic once we get him to tell us this we know that he is done but then why not just kill him so i don't know oh there's so many questions and so little it's so few answers man but i think what keeps me like enamored with the prisoner right now is even when we're worrying about all of this like oh geez there's no way they answer this stuff we only have nine episodes left like what do we what could possibly be it um mm-hmm. i think the show maintains this like thematic core that's so interesting because it like we've talked about in, it talks it, it's relating to history and the cold war 
and uh, the worries at the time, as well as this sort of modern, like present fear of surveillance states and like understanding the self and uh, all of that stuff. Um, and it tackles all of that really deftly and subtly. And I think even like in an episode where I'm left frustrated that I don't like this isn't going to be talked about, I'm still so attracted to the like minute to minute of it. And it's just so like engaging on a like a thought level. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about that idea specifically with the second one, which is to me more of a uh, thinky episode than this one. It's less action and more like we're like conversational. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you any stray note? Did you have any stray notes about this first one? Um, let's see here. So uh, there are just a couple things from the AV Club uh, review that I thought were worth bringing up. These reviews, by the way, are written by let's just get the name Zach Handlin. Yep, and they were written back in two thousand nine um, over at the AV Club. Anyway, so uh, a couple of quotes that I thought were strong. Um, Already we're conditioned not to trust the trustworthy. We're just waiting for six to catch up mm-hmm. with regard to the the sort of cougar who lives in his house now. <laughs> I regret using that term already. Wow. Um, and then I, I like where it ends, the sort of point that uh, he arrives at here. In fact, that's really the danger of all the head games the village pulls. If Six can't truly escape, not yet anyway, the village can't truly defeat him either. And every attempt they make is just another method they won't be able to use again. By coming back to his real self, by rediscovering what makes him so valuable, Six has proven to himself that they can't replace him, can't duplicate him. He is truly unique. Which is what was said about their review of the schizoid man, but I think it applies really to to all of this that like what we're seeing and the reason that you should maybe watch an order of the prisoner where he's becoming more confident is that like their head games are just making him stronger Mm -hmm. instead of wearing him down. Right. They're refining his individuality, not scrubbing it out. Right. Exactly. Love that. Yeah, me too. Um, let's see the, the review also makes the point that like the silence at the ep- the beginning of the episode is really startling. And it's part of the reason that we're like willing to believe that maybe this time things are different because the episode just spends so much time in silence that we think, oh, okay, I guess. Sure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help but see things in the prisoner through the lens of animal cross crossing. Cause I've been playing a ton of it. <laughs> and so every time someone's wearing an outfit or they have something cool in their house, they're like, Oh, I want to, I want to order that from nook shopping or buy that from the able sisters, mm-hmm. like his cool globe or his like pinstripe pajamas or everything in number two's house. It's like, yeah, I, I want to put that in my animal crossing house. Um, it's, there's yeah. specifically a shot in this episode when he goes to uh, his own house where it's like a top-down shot that looks exactly like when you pan up at your house in Animal Crossing, and it's like this really beautiful like uh, miniature. I think like the appeal, the appeal of like interior design in games like Animal Crossing is it feels like you're playing with miniatures, mm-hmm. um, and you're like ar- arranging them to be really pleasing. And that shot it, it definitely evokes that feeling of like oh, and the table, the desk is in the right place, and you got the good curtains and like all these nice knickknacks. Right. Like, oh, love this. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, and then there's just one 
more line. I like that he has a pet cat at the end. Oh, love the cat until we find out the cat's a fucking spy, but right. love the cat. <laughs> right. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting was when he's talking to the woman that we find out is number two in his old apartment. This is where oh, we, yeah. used we used to live. We have a couple of B&L fans in the audience. That's okay. Yeah. Shout outs to Brandy Ladies fans. Um, he is telling her his story and about how he used to live there. And he keeps over explaining and she says, I believe you. And he says, I'm sorry, I'm not used to that. Which, mm. that's an interesting line. That part made me sad, for sure. Yeah, because it speaks to just how like traumatized he is by his experience in the village. Even as he's sort of hanging on and becoming more tenacious, it it is wearing on him. And mm-hmm. it's something that he's never going to be free of entirely. Just something that he's going to have to live with and cope with. Um, but it also, I found that um, particularly compelling because normally we think of Six as the person who's like distrustful and not believing of people. Mm-hmm. But he's speaking as if he's like the one who's always telling the truth and people just aren't believing him. Right, 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 right. Like, why aren't you getting this? Yeah, which kind of seems to indicate, like, I've told you the truth about why I resigned. I didn't want to be a spy anymore, and I had misgivings about it. And they're refusing to believe me, and maybe there are specifics that I don't feel like telling them because i that's my business. But, like, I'm not lying, which uh, I think that just says a lot about his character and his self-perception. That he was like, oh, man, nobody ever believes me. I think that that feeling, though, leads to you like eventually not trying to appeal to them anymore and not even attempting to tell anyone anything because it's like, well, I did tell you everything you needed to know and now you're not and you don't understand, don't care and aren't listening. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop talking to you guys. Yep. Right. Uh, and kind of breaks him like that. And that's all I got. That's it. Fantastic. Um, cool. Well, we can uh, take it to a brief musical break, and we will be right back to discuss Dance of the Dead. Welcome back to Prisoner Chats. We are here and we are back and we are discussing episode eight of The Prisoner, Dance of the Dead. Dance of the Dead was... Actually, no, how about this, Magellan? You tell me who wrote, directed, aired, and episode I description I don't want to tell you that. All right, fine. It was written by Anthony Skeen. Wait it was a dr- minute. Wait a minute. I do want to tell you that. Okay. Dance of the Dead was written by Anthony Skeen. Directed by Don Chaffee. It originally aired November 17, 1967. And in this episode, number six comes across a body that has watched a show at the radio. After sending the body back out to sea, he tries to use the radio to get rescued. It doesn't work out for him so good. It don't work too good. Yep. Um, Alan, what do you think? 
Oh, Dance of no, the Dead? No, not so... Uh, okay, okay, it's okay, go oh, ahead. No, my my typo. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh we were, we were uh, visited by the chaos demon in between episodes, folks. Episode halves. So, oops. Um, no, Dance of the Dead, the thing with this episode is that not a lot happens, like, linearly. It's actually very straightforward like that that plot synopsis covers like three-fourths of it Mm -hmm. uh but there's just so much really rich and like theme heavy conversation between six and this week's number two um and also the young woman that follows her around and works for her uh and i feel like it it answers a lot of questions that the show hasn't had time to sit with because there's always had to be something going on whereas this episode is like no there's a dance and he eventually goes to it, and it doesn't go well. But the rest of the episode's all this like good chatty stuff, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I respect its. I respect its. Uh, its goals here. What about you, Mister? Yeah. So again, this one. Um, I read the AV Club review, and I looked at this fan site, and both of those sources watched mm-hmm. this episode second. Uh oh. Which makes a lot more sense, I think. Because um, because there are, there are a few things that indicate that this episode should be happening early on. One of them is <laughs> when uh, that like green dressed maid is leaving Six's house, and he's like, "You don't look like the other maids," and she's like, "I am," or whatever, and he says, "I'm new here." <laughs> no, so right. The fact that he's shouting, "I'm new here," and then. At his trial, number two is like, he's brand new. He doesn't know the rules. He doesn't get it. Come on, you guys. Be nice to him. Yeah. That's another thing that that would indicate that this should happen earlier on. Um, And then the other piece of it is like the way in which they're trying to like get to him is really benign in this episode. Like there isn't a sort of big scheme really of how to crack six uh number two is just like really straight up and honest with him mm-hmm. in a way that i i enjoyed and um it doesn't feel like they're not going into his dreams they're not uh making a doppelganger of him they're not doing any of the wild stuff that they were doing before and so for that reason well someone tries to go into his dreams well they they do a thing at the beginning where they like have yeah. him on a thing and they're trying to mess with him or whatever. Um, but the point there, though, is that number two is like, mm, we don't need to do that. We have a better plan that's less invasive and more like manipulates him verbally and like and gets into his head in a different way. Yeah, that's the thing of it is that they're like, what if we just talk to him, but talk yeah. to him real good? That would work, right? Yeah. And so that that definitely feels like a sort of second episode <laughs> vibe. Um because also a point that was being made, I think, in that, that fan site, and we'll link that, that in the show notes. I have the link in my notes mm-hmm. for you um, when you edit. Um, but another point that was made is that Six also asks some like pretty basic questions about the island in this episode. Like at one point he asks where the food comes from and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, this um, this clearly seems like it belongs earlier in the watch order, and it definitely doesn't belong after uh many happy many returns. returns yes i agree because many happy returns like we just said feels like a little bit of a sea change it's getting you thinking about different stuff it's making you know that like the show isn't just about escaping but like discovering yourself and then this one's like yeah he's like learning the basic morals and ideology that 
uh, are going to lead to him doing stuff in many happy returns. But well, and also in this one, like his plan for escape is so basic too. He's like, oh, I yeah. found a, I found a radio. I can use this radio to escape. I'll tell you, Marge, it almost felt incidental that he tried to escape this episode. Like it felt like he was yeah. escaping out of momentum because he just found an opportunity. He was like, yeah, I guess yeah, this is the escaping time. Okay, sure. Like we're 20 minutes into the episode. Why not? And I think you could read that at this point in the episode, uh, the watch order as him being like, yeah, okay, I might as well. Um, but if it's the second episode, you could read it as like he is underestimating what it's going to take. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think for that reason, again, we here at Chats, we just sort of will watch things in the air order because like, why not yeah. just watch them in the air order? But I do think there's a good case to be made that the air order is not quite right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I do like this. This episode keeps that good comedy. I think even just like the costume party and the vibe of that whole thing is very funny. But my first note here that I loved of like a comedic moment was uh, a man comes up to his house with the invitation to the carnival and dance. And the guy just looks him dead in the eye and goes, sign your number there. Number six. And he just goes, <laughs> And he like it kind of glazes his eyes and then just shuts the door in the guy's face. <laughs> like, no, you know I'm number six. You gave me the thing. I don't sign things. Give me the package. I don't even want to go to this. And he immediately goes to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, no, he actually he tries going to town hall, and this is a moment that's that's kind of like glossed over, and again in favor of all of like the good conversation stuff, where he goes out to town hall to like ask about this whole festival and there's like an invisible barrier around town hall which is you know it kind of reminds me of like the the this being making more sense as a book because the effect is this that he walks into an invisible wall but when you explain it as like the guy says oh some people belong in there at certain times some certain people at certain times right Mm -hmm. it makes more sense if you just say like he tried to go in there and it didn't work for whatever reason he felt an impenetrable force but when you see him go like oh you're like wait what (laughs) effect is that why did we do that right it's kind of like what even is town hall yeah what's there and i think that's another piece of evidence for maybe this should be earlier because it speaks to his maybe naivete about the island of oh there the town hall is where the person who's in charge is yeah but that's there isn't somebody who's in charge or there it's is, just, but they're like impossible to find. Yeah, there are moments in this one where he thinks he finds he thinks he's going to find number one, and that makes less sense this far into the series where he should know by this point that there either is no number one or that he's never going to find them. Yeah. Um, and he's asked by uh, I think it's is it yeah it is number two at this point who's like hey here's the carnival here's all these beautiful women you should go with someone because you that. need someone to rein you in. I think this was my favorite number two. I think so too, man. She's so she's great. I mean, she gets the most lines, which is obviously a plus. But yeah. she's so like she's understanding of his situation, and she still talks down to him in that kind of like parentalist way. That's very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she knows she's like, listen, number six. I know you don't want to go to the carnival, but you have no other option. And I know I'm telling you, you have to go with a date. And I'm recommending that you pick one of these sexy blonde ladies because they're all subservient, and you're a rebel, and you guys would cancel each other out really well. Mm-hmm. Don't pick the weird, like, don't pick the weird rebel weird girl in the corner. And he's like, ah, yes. Anyways, here's the weird girl in the corner. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and then he goes smartly. He's like, yeah, number two seems like she's actually trying to get me with you in a really roundabout way. So 
uh but she doesn't want to talk to him and then like he tries tailing her and again the rover comes back and it's the least threatening rover because the rover is just kind of like idly hovering near him uh, yeah, yeah and it's kind of like he's going uh, excuse me sorry i just can i i just want to see the lady can you and the rover is just <laughs> he can't get past it yeah so this this episode i'm very interested in her character because this episode i think Again, it would have helped if it was sooner because it seems to more clearly establish that he's not the only prisoner mm-hmm. on the island. Um, because it seems like she is somebody who uh, is buying into the village and believes in it and believes in the rules of it. And so maybe she was captured, but then she's one of these people that number two is talking about of like, oh, at one point he'll like just choose to join us as opposed to us needing to like break him to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that the read that you got of her as well? That she was a prisoner who had just decided like, actually this place is okay. I think because she has such a, that you talk about the young woman. Yeah. The woman who is like his observer who is dressed up as uh, Bo Peep later. It's, I guess, so it's either that, it's either exactly that, or she just is used to it. Like, maybe there was something in the past, but she's, like, been here long enough and worked here. Because then how else do you get employees? Like, how else did she she land this gig other than she eventually, like, gave up information and said, like, yeah, I'll just work for you guys. So I guess if, if that's the only way that we can get employees, then, yeah, she had to have been a previous prisoner or been captured. I think Six at one point says in the last episode... Um, everybody there is either, what does he say? It's like everybody there either is, blo- either no, oh no, no, he says it in this one. Everybody either knows too much or knows too little. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's captured. Because he's talking to Dutton in the, in the like sea cave when he says that. Yeah, Dutton's another reason that I was like, okay, this, they're starting to clarify what the deal is because Dutton is like a dude that he knows who was another spy who is stuck here. Right. The presence of Dutton, by the way, is so strange in this episode Mm -hmm. because uh, Dutton is a character from number six's past uh, who, like, I guess worked with him or was like some sort of friend with him or colleague in his spy days. Yeah. Uh, And he sees him. Roland Walter Dutton is the guy's name. What a great name. Fantastic name. I think this is the first time he sees him is when he's in the cave. But the first time he hears from him is at the beginning of the episode when the other like doctor is trying to like hypnotize number six by using like a drugged out hypnotized Dutton. Oh, and that's who they the pose phone. as. Exactly. Oh. So that's the part. That's the first time we see Dutton. But the first time that number six sees him is when he's like out by the water. And he sees the dead body that's like in the, the central premise of the episode. He finds the note and then this Dutton guy's like, hey, what's up? And they have like a very honest conversation about like uh, how they ended up there, why they ended up there and what happened. And basically Dunn's telling him like, yeah, I fell here too. And I told them everything. And what's fucked up is they didn't believe me. (laughs) Like six, you could tell them why you resigned. Like Magellan, you were saying earlier, but like last episode, right? Yeah. it, It might not matter because they might just not believe you and then use you to take the next guy out. And that's so, it's so heartbreaking. I think this performance from this Dutton guy is really good because it, it feels like this is another example of like, here's what six could be like if he, I don't know, gave up, if he decided to stop. If he gave up, if he was less useful, any number of things. 
Yeah. He's just a puppet who's used for, for manipulation and just placed in the right place at the right time. And, and like, that's, that's like what Dutton's purpose ends up serving in here. Yeah. And I, I think again, I keep beating this drum. So this is the last time I'll bring it up, but that's another reason why this works. I think is an early episode because you can, you can show, well, here's what happens. Here's why all of Six's sort of um, tenacious sticking to his guns and not telling them anything matters because they're not going to believe him and they're going to, you know, wipe his brain and turn him into a court jester or whatever they end up doing to Dutton um, if he gives in. Like there, as, there isn't a kind of, uh, there isn't an easy way out of this that doesn't right. completely destroy him as a person. Uh, and I think as we start getting into like going to the dance stuff, uh, they start posing more and more questions that I think are relevant to like our theories about the show. Mm-hmm. Because at one point earlier, I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but it's all right. This episode's structured a little strangely. Uh, number six is talking to the woman who is his maid. Mm-hmm. And at first he's like, why is your outfit different from the other ones? And she says, oh, there's a costume party. And he's like, and then later she invites him and he, he's like, she's like, what are you going to, what's the outfit that's been picked for you? He says, don't I get a choice? And she crucially says, other people choose it's a game mm-hmm. being like in this costume but in the literal sense like in this costume party none of us pick our own outfits other people pick them that's the fun part but i was thinking does that relate to the whole like this is not about your choice you are being dictated by the structure of a game that you don't even know realize is happening mm-hmm. so yeah this is an episode that you could definitely like read into every minute line for theories and uh, ideas mainly the conversations between number six and the woman and number six and number two, who yeah. later uh, to the party and for the rest of the episode is Peter Pan, which, you know, notable, obviously we're doing gender stuff. Peter Pan, male character, usually played by women in, in plays, um, but they're doing all of that by putting her in this costume. She's got the very like short masculine kind of hairstyle, but she still is a woman, you know? Yeah. And then this, the implications of Peter Pan, taking someone away to like this neverland place right 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 you're the peter pan you're whisking me away yeah um but obviously he's being whisked away to a place that isn't so good huh yeah well isn't that also what you could argue neverland is maybe Mm. depending on depending on your depending on your like pop cultural adaptation of peter pan right that's true cultural that's the word and it does it is sort of like yeah she wants him to stay in this almost childlike state of submitting to the island and just sort of joining the merry gang of of people. What are they called? The, the Lost Boys. The Lost Boys, yeah. He's a lost boy. Exactly. He's a it. lost boy. Wow. You did it. Wow. Um, a line that I thought was really great from the interactions that Six has with... with uh, I keep wanting to say Betty Boop, which is not. Wow. Oh, what it, Bo Peep is what she ends up trying to Bo Peep, as. yes, yes, yes. Um, a line that I thought was really interesting as a kind of uh, key to unlocking the rest of the show is when she says, mm, she says something about questions and answers. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Um, oh, 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 it's a line that's been repeated before. It's yeah, the one that I remember hearing in like episode in, one. In the first episode, I think. Yeah. Questions are a burden and answers a prison for oneself. Yes. And so it makes you think about like, what are the questions and what are the answers exactly? Mm-hmm. Um, is the answer 
Six's answer to like why he resigned. And so that's sort of what's like imprisoning him on the island. But then you could argue that like his possession of that answer is the thing that's keeping him free also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe answers are not a prison. Maybe answers are like the thing that's liberating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that that reflection on like wanting to know and knowing and how does it relate to like your yourself and your freedom um it seems like fruitful ground for discussion and and it it even taps back into like last episode where it's like okay what did you want the answer of like where the island is because now you know it's probably this place like what does that do for you right all these questions of like the bigger the bigger nature of this show don't feel very satisfying to us yeah and i think that's intentional because it's like well Oh, what I want the prisoner to answer now is like, what is, what does Six want to do with his life? Does he want to get off? Does he want to live here? Does he want to be the leader? Does he want to destroy this place? Mm-hmm. If he goes back again, what, where does he want to go? Because he doesn't want to go back to his old house anymore. We know that number two lives there. Like, what is he? What's, what is his overall like life goal after this? Because he's still a pretty young guy. Yeah. Um. It's sort of like, who are you? Right. Yeah. Like. And I think we reflected on that question in the context of Babylon 5, which we just watched. Um, But that question gets at, like, are you your role in society? Are you um, the things that you value, the things that you do? Are you your car that you built yourself with your own two hands? Um, And what, what exactly is fundamental about you? And the schizoid man kind of from last week you know, it's another deconstruction of that. Like, are you your skills? Maybe, maybe not, because they sort of futz with all of his skills. Um, the last episode, you know, are you like the place that you live? Maybe not, because they can replicate that place and it is your prison and you can't really go back to that that place, uh, at least in this context. So, yeah, what is it that like defines who you are um regardless of like where you are and what's going on and who's there with you and all those sorts of things and i i struggle with these questions in my day-to-day life i'm like you know what grounds me what defines my like day-to-day what is my purpose and all that stuff like these are just right because i think we're conditioned to think that those answers are tied to external things of like oh i'm a teacher or like i'm a or i make x amount of money or i live in this particular place or whatever Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. like all all of those small talk answers of who are you is what we dwell on every single day and those aren't actually who we are so i think when i first watched this episode and was thinking about all that stuff um when we got into the third act and we actually got to the party other than the fact that this carnival is like really gorgeous there's an amazing shot that i think has to be the thumbnail Mm -hmm. um, of him entering um once we're here i was like kind of confused in the moment of like you know what's the purpose of this why is there a trial happening all this stuff but it makes sense more from the like six is just trying to answer these questions that's always what he's trying to do even when like he's in a weird situation at the end of the day he just wants answers yeah, I will say just about like the costumes and the set, like whoever is the, doing the art direction on the show, 
it seems like this is having a lot of fun just reaching into the doodle sack and yeah. and pulling out like, oh, you're going to be a J- Napoleon guy. Yeah. And there's going to be like uh, masks on the wall and this weird trial room. It it must have been just such a delight. I wonder how much of that is prescribed by Maguin or by in the script and how much of that is just like a team of costume designers and other prop people who have a ball with it you know because the other thing that i saw is that uh danger man was shot in black and white oh and so Hmm. that's an interesting lens on some of the like costume stuff that's going on in this show and and a lot of the color work is like tv being in color is a newish thing Uh, right and i think part of yeah uh, well, I was going to say part of like the aesthetic of this party is supposed to be like, what weird costumes did I find in my closet that I want to give to someone else? Like it's deliberately a pulling from all sorts of different like Peter Pan and Napoleon. It's like you went into, fell into an eye party and you just put on a bunch <laughs> right. of costumes. It's probably like right. a vampire there somewhere. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's it, the, the, but the color thing is interesting. Like, can you, what do you think the color does for this show? Um, you know, I think it um, it works to accomplish a lot of the juxtaposition, right, mm-hmm. of making the island seem like, oh, it's this bright, cheery place, um, but actually it's sinister. You could also say that the use of color is, like, purposely unsettling, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and makes the island seem like a supernatural place. Uh, I don't know. It's, I think there are a number of ways to interpret it. And it's also like, hey, we have color. Let's play with that and do weird right. stuff with that. Just right. It's it's that too. Um, but yeah, getting to what you were saying about the sort of narrative significance of the trial. Um, I think this was my favorite scene of the episode. The and, the party and everything around the party? Um, the party, but the trial part specifically. Yeah, yes, yes. The trial, I think, well, because the trial, it's supposed to feel farcical and it really succeeds in that because, yeah, like, already there are theatrics to the way that trials are held. Like, the whole, hey, I'm, you know, I'm the witness and I'm this person. And, like, we all have these weird roles that we've just assigned for ourselves. And they're doing all of that, but they're all dressed really goofily. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, this is, this is absurd. <laughs> and, like, we're in the middle of a dress party and now everyone's like, okay, get the judge. It's time for. Yeah, and like the prosecuting lawyer is is dressed like a like Bo Peep or whatever. Yeah, and his def- his defending lawyer is sitting as if she's the judge. Uh, it's all it's really it's really fun. It it had the same vibe that I enjoyed from the election episode, and I think it was the same room, maybe same set, that, probably. Yeah, the same set where that like council met. And I loved, there was just like the classic prisoner rye um, sarcastic wit in this one where where number, not number, where um, the observer lady is giving her prosecution of, of number six. And she's like, I saw him using a radio and that's against the rules. And like, we need to have rules. Rules are really important to keep society running. And he just goes, here, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then she finishes her argument and he like claps a little too long and a little too loud for her <laughs> yep 
<laughs> he's he's having a, fun with this. He's such a jerk. I love it. And then the, the like, oh, sorry, go ahead. And then he's like, uh, number two's like, sure, he broke the rules, but he's new here. We got to give him some clemency. And then number six is like, yeah, has anybody even seen these rules that everybody's talking about? <laughs> we have all these rules that we talk about and we've like follow them to the T, <laughs> but what are they? Does anyone have yeah. a paper? The funniest part of it to me is the sort of almost fourth Wally moment where he's, they're like, all right, do, what, are, what, do you want to call a witness? And he's like, yes, I have a character witness. His name is uh, what is it uh walter ronald roland walter dutton and they're like no names no names mm-hmm. <laughs> numbers numbers and he's like uh he doesn't have a number we didn't give him a number he's not he's not like that he didn't i don't know just that guy and then they're like yeah yeah we know what you're talking about but don't say his name that's the rule yeah. of the show it's like you're in a play and someone like either flubbed a line or like forgot the fiction of the world <laughs> or like in an improv game and then you're like no what Okay, so we do numbers because people don't have identity here. Please say the number. Thank you. Yeah, like you're doing the alphabet game and someone starts the second sentence with Z instead of B or whatever. And you're like, ah. And you fucked it up. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, so they bring Dutton in and he's like, uh, what does he even say? He's just like, I don't have the evidence. I don't, or like none of the evidence that this guy has is valid. Yeah, I sort of tuned out of the scene, so I missed this. But in, in one of the sources that I was reading... They basically said that he had been like brain wiped and mm-hmm. was dressed as a court jester. Yes, that's I remember that. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, "Well, that's easy. We've decided you're being sentenced to death. Wow, we did it. We're such good. We're so good at this." Um, oh yeah, he's got like the yellow and black court jester outfit. Adorable. Look at Dutton, my cute man. <laughs> she literally has to pull his chin up to make him look at number six. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, also worth noting that six is the outfit he's given is a monkey suit. Like it's just a it's a suit and tie, and he's like everyone else looks like Victorian or something. And they're like, yeah, because you're weird. We gave you the the traditional outfit because everyone else is non traditional because you're the outlier. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like that intentional, like he is a stranger amongst strangers, kind of. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so six is sentenced to death, and I love that as he's walking out, one of the the party attenders is like a sad clown. I, I really can, I can relate to that man. <laughs> Just a frowning clown. Um, and they chase him out. It gets very like farcical briefly. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's yeah. like, it's you're watching like Benny a, Hill almost. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're watching like a clown and like a middle Eastern, like Sikh and, uh, Peter Pan and like a Bozorro. And they're all chasing him through like three <laughs> doors. Like it's Scooby-Doo. And you're like <laughs> three yeah. or four doors. Finally, um, he finds his way out through like a hole in the floor and uh, escapes to where he thinks is the office mm-hmm. of number one. And he's like, wait, did I accidentally fall into it? Cause he like, you know, turns some statues over and gets, hits the right door. Um, and he goes inside and it's all like pink and there's like books everywhere. And what does he find behind the desk? What does he find behind the like little cut co- the curtain covering the desk? Well, once again, you know, just like the computer, uh, or just like the general is a computer, the thing that he thinks is number one is it's just a printer. <laughs> it's just an inkjet printer. You big idiot. <laughs> and it's like a crusty printer that's like got wires falling uh, it's got out the of it. Ticker tape and stuff. Yeah, it's not even yeah. a good printer, and he yeah. it just it's writing the note. It's replacing the note that he put on the dead body, basically saying that like. Well, first of all, number two walks in and says they can see, you can see them, but they can't see you. It's a one-way mirror, and they'll never know. So this is a special place, but all we're writing is that you're dead. 
All that's getting out today is that you died, and once again, you thought you had control of your information, but you don't. Yeah. Um, and it ends really suddenly. Like again, I think the way the prisoner ends its episodes is always so uh, interesting. Yeah, it, it comes out of nowhere. I mean, it. I guess it. It is because it is has that anthology show DNA, that Twilight Zone DNA of like, okay, once you get the twist, like that's the episode. That's it. The episode should just end. Now you're done. Um, it it was pretty dorky that number two does like a maniacal evil laugh. Yeah. And we linger on it. And she's like, ha, 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 And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. The, yeah. vet, the fade out on her cackling is very weird. Because he's like, he's like, I'll never tell you. I'll never, you'll never break me. And she's like, that's unfortunate, old chap. <laughs> and just cackles and fucking ha, 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 ha. It's great. Yeah. And she's cackling as the ticker tape is rolling. And we're like panning down to the wires. And it's like, ooh, yeah. This like technology this show's obsession with technology and how it can be like intimidating is fun. is still fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. It's not that dense of an episode, like plot wise. I was looking, I was commenting to you, commenting to you before we started recording about like how the prisoner wiki, which I occasionally will consult when I'm writing, like I'm rewriting the episode summaries um, and like taking, checking my notes uh, it doesn't ever focus on the scenes where people just talk. It always is like number six picks up a letter. Then he meets uh, uh, Ch- uh what's his face uh, Dutton, and mm-hmm. it's like there's that whole thing in the middle of there where like he climbs up the uh, up to the top of the tower and uses the radio and talks to the people about fate and free will. And it's like no, no, no none of that matters because that's not the plot. And I think it's weird because the show flourishes in the moments that aren't plot. Yeah, it seems like plot is not. The pre, you know, the premise of a given episode matters, and the way that the scheme carries out matters, but the events of the narrative are not the reason that you come to the prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, stray thoughts or notes on this one? Uh, I can try quadruple check. Um, the wiki refers to the Bo- little Bo Peep lady as number two forty. I don't think that's ever said in the episode. That might even be like in the credits, but I don't mm-hmm. know. It's not important. Names are not important here, as we know. Um, I did also quote the Never Trust a Woman, Even the Four-Legged Variety, because we learned that the Black Cat for Laps episode is back, and it's actually been working for this number two. Mm-hmm. Fun little continuity. Yeah. So this episode should definitely come early, but should maybe come after the last one. Well, no, I think it makes very little sense coming after the last one. Or it should be the other way around, where the cat is still around then. Yeah, I think the cat is just like further proof that he's back in in um, many happy returns. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes more sense actually. Yeah, yeah. oh right, because the other ones like yes, implies that he's been there longer. And then it's sort of cute of like, hey, remember number two's cat, the old number yeah. two? Like you can have it now. She's dead. She got killed by the higher ups because she couldn't break you. Right. Uh, so here's a little reminder of that. Yeah. Um, but that. Yeah, that's all I got. There's a lot of great like cinematography moments in this one, but nothing plot-wise that we didn't cover. Yeah. Um Let's see. I wanted to just make sure I liked the exchange uh between him and number 2 when they're sort of by the ocean and he first has found the radio. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "I'm sad, number 6. I thought you were beginning to." And he says, "Give in." And she says, "Be happy." <laughs> hmm. 
And then um, when he's near the edge of the cliff, she says, you're not thinking of jumping. He says, never. Never. And she says, good. Good. Let's see. I had one other thing. Oh, I wanted to read from from that fan site um, their little blurb on this episode. So this is from uh, one of the three brothers whose name is Kirby. Um, And Kirby writes, a tough episode to decipher. In the beginning, number two, Mary Morris, tells the chief psychiatrist that he needs to be won over, not damaged. This should indicate that this episode should be early because winning someone over is not as advanced a technique um, that they normally perform in later episodes. Probably most of the episode has an oblique similarity to free-for-all, where the whole episode is based upon trying to convince number six to give in. In uh, Dance of the Dead, however, number two doesn't hide anything from number six, except maybe for the moral at the end. That is, she frankly mentions to number six that he's dead in the real world, which is what the spiel with the dead body is all about. The costumes seen many times, both early and late in the episode, also inform number six of his status, as well as of the villagers around him. They're all dead, too. So he uh, might as well give in and be comfortable since he's also dead. A very intriguing episode. So, yeah, I think that makes the case for why it should be earlier. And also um, that it's just this kind of light coercion of, come on, buddy, like you're you're dead out there anyway. So just hang (laughs) out, relax. Put your feet up. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder where this where this goes from here. And I say that every week, but I still wonder where the show goes. Yeah. Same. Uh, I've heard some wacky things about the next two, though. Well, do you want to hear what uh, what they are? I do. Okie dokie. Well, I'm about to tell you. Let's take a look. So, The Prisoner. Next time we're watching uh, in air order episodes nine and ten uh i will say the next one checkmate is by um the av club order and this other order i found would have been the third episode so don't expect too much character development in that one yeah that's going to be the last of like the early episodes and then we're going to get into the chunk of okay the game changed in many happy sorry the game changed in many happy returns so let's see what that looks like yeah Um, okay yeah, anyway. So next time we're watching our episodes 9 and 10, Checkmate and Hammer into Anvil. Checkmate. Inspired by a large chess game with people taking the place of the game pieces, number six formulates a new escape plan with some compatriots. Hmm. Yeah. I love Harry Potter. Just kidding. Yeah. Just, kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. And then number 10, Hammer into Anvil. Number six vows revenge and goes after a sadistic number two after he drives a fellow village resident to her death. Ooh, I like these low concept episodes. Yes, I agree. You know, there's nothing too wacky going on that one, but that one could be great. Yeah. It's a mystery. And while we were um, recording, actually, or between between sessions, I found uh, out that an old friend of mine, uh, Joel, a.k.a. uh, Lost in the Movies, uh, on his website, lostinthemovies.com, back in 2016, reviewed every episode of The Prisoner. So I'm going to actually be consulting those. Uh, oh, cool. Th- he was on an old Fireside Friends episode when we discussed The Lost Highway. That's an old podcast for mm. people who have been following my stuff for a while. Um, so yeah, that's always fun. I really like reading about this show. Um, yeah, I think too. it's like rich and full of, of themes and stuff that we can't just dig into by watching. You know, There's a lot of like extracurricular to be done. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's take it to the plug zone. If you would like to comment, leave messages, text us, 
<laughs> send us a text over at, by on our email address. <laughs> um, it's chatspot at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at chatspod where we hear updates about the show. And uh, as a special announcement, John and I are going to be trying to do, trying to do uh, a little bit of a writing exercise where each of us writes about one of the episodes that we watched. Um, and we should be posting those or at least links to those on Twitter. So between this episode and next, uh, we should be getting some writing out there for folks to check out. Yeah, we're going to try it out, see what we think of it. And um, hopefully you can let us know your feedback as well. Yeah, we like reading about it, and in, in turn, we like writing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be writing about many happy returns. Magellan will be discussing uh, Dance of the Dead in his, yeah. re- in, in his writing. Um, so you can check that out. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice if you like the show and you want us to, to see your feedback and help people discover the podcast that we work very hard on. And if you'd like to support us financially and you have the means, please do consider checking out patreon.com slash chatspod, uh, wherein we allow patrons to vote on content via polls every month. And then we basically do that content. We make it for you. Uh, and that includes stuff like pilot chats, where we watch the pilot of other cult classic shows and decide how chatsable they are. Uh, we do chats nights where we kind of just talk about whatever people decide on or, or nothing. We talk about nothing. Uh, <laughs> and it's actually fun. And we also do commentary chats where we watch a film uh, and we discuss over it. We talk over it like as a commentary track a la MST3K or Riff Tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so check out the, the Patreon. We have all sorts of fun content. Uh, you can you can basically get all of that stuff for just $3 a month. And any more than that or less than that, we got different options for you. And yeah. thanks for you. And uh, there should be a poll up there pretty soon within this week for uh, May content. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeet. Magellan, what? Um, so we do chat sims here, right? We do the little, like, instead of, like, our own personal plugs, we yes. do plugging things, ideas, yes. concepts, pieces of media. What's your yes. chat sim this week? My chat sim for this week is uh, actually <laughs> kind of a personal plug as well as a piece of media. So we recently watched the film Max Keeble's Big Move, mm. which is uh, it's an early aughts Disney movie, you know, about a kid, Max Keeble, who learns that he's going to move. Oh, no. And then it's this uh, sort of, you know, deep ethical meditation on uh, a life without external consequence. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that changes who you are and whether who we are is uh, constructed by these external consequences or if there is a fundamental self uh, that we can construct and build our own moral code. And uh, that's, it's really deep. (laughs) uh, And also there's like a ice cream man who hates him and stuff. Uh, And hell yeah. Yep. And we watched that film in preparation to discuss it and appear on a sort of, sister podcast i guess you could say or a, or a friend uh, friend of the podcast other podcast called spit and polish which is hosted by frequent uh chats guest and chats patron ryan silwinski um so you can check us out on spit and polish this week in a few days i think and um and yeah Oh, no, no. It came out earlier this week. Sorry, I, my timing has turned around. It should have come out earlier this week, and we can link it in the show notes. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, definitely Max Hebel's Big Move. It's a classic. It's a classic for a reason. It's an iconic film. Yeah. What's your chatsum? My mm-hmm. chatsum for this week 
uh, is in currently airing anime. Uh, occasionally, I, I check out the current seasons of anime, and uh, you know, for Magellan and I personally, we're both big fans of the old '90s cartoon and media multimedia franchise Digimon. <laughs> um, it's near and dear to our hearts, and the folks who make Digimon are currently releasing a reboot of the first season of the Digimon anime. Uh, it's called Digimon Adventure. The problem with Googling this is they call everything Digimon Adventure. So <laughs> just look up like a Digimon Adventure 2020 and you'll find it. Um, it is, yeah, it's a reboot, remake of that first season. You got like the tie and the rest of the Digidestined meeting their Digimon and understanding the digital world. If you don't know, Digimon's basically was like the 90s counterpart to Pokemon where instead of collecting monsters, we form friendships with the individual monsters and they evolve for different battles and stuff it's a very like cheesy but heartfelt and surprisingly like thematically rich uh anime for kids and the 2020 and uh, new anime uh i've really been enjoying so far because it's not so much a like shot for shot remake as it is a rethinking of what digimon adventure is because you know that show is pulling in so many different ideas and like different parts of franchises and this is like what if we just made one anime that covers everything and as of this recording, it's two episodes in, and they're actually right now covering, instead of choosing to start with everybody going into the digital world, like they do in the show originally, they go, it's like the arc that is the, what we in America know as the Digimon movie. So you mm. have Ty going into the internet to fight an evil virus that's going to lead to some trains crashing, and he meets Agumon, his Digimon, and it's, I, I think this like setup works a lot better, that they're slowly introducing all these characters. Mm-hmm. Um but also one of the most like notorious things about the original Digimon series is the transform the evolution sequences are like repetitive and long. You yeah. know, it's like someone evolves and it's like, all right, here's 60 seconds of the same animation I've seen a hundred times. Yeah. Um, in this first step, I can just tell you in the first episode, um, the transformation sequence happens without a cut. It's happening while the, while Agumon is like still moving and oh. in the middle of a fight. Okay. And it's unique. It's like him jumping up and then like transformation. Here we go. I'm in the fight now. And it's so good. Like that alone, if you've watched Digimon, I'm like, the transformation sequences aren't their own like set piece. You're, you should be sold by that. But it seems very well done so far. It's only in Japanese right now because it's literally airing in Japan and we're getting it here like a couple days later. But if you're interested and you've ever wanted to get onto Digimon, check out this new 2020 Digimon Adventure anime. Nice. It's a good it's a good jumping on point. And then we can then you can eventually get into Digimon Tamer season three and discover the show that permanently scarred me as a child. That's <laughs> <laughs> a horror anime disguised as a kid series. And anyways, yeah, that. Dear listener is going to do it for this episode of Prisoner Chats. Thank you to Magellan for being the rock to my hard place, and thank you so much for listening. Be seeing you. <laughs>